but yes, definitely check out that book, Rich Dad Poor Dad. It's on Amazon. It's pretty cheap on Amazon right now. Um, you all should definitely add it to your wish list. Yeah. What I tell people about Rich Dad Poor Dad is it is a very, very good book to gateway financing. It's a very easy read, uh, fairly quick. Um, I don't think it's even 300 pages. Uh, no, no financial speak in it. Uh, he's just basically telling a story and making a comparison. Um, but the book itself is, if you're not a reader or it'll work, it'll work for you, you know, read at your leisure, but it's not a very, um, substance heavy read, but the information in it is, is invaluable. There's a reason that it's been on the bestseller for, for, for years. And yeah, I would, I would encourage everybody to, to grab a copy of that. Um, grab a copy of it for your kids if not for yourself, because this, you know, this information needs to be uh, widespread more so than, you know, the videos on Worldstar. Everybody needs, we spend money every day. Why are we not learning about it? I think something also to consider too, when, when you're trying to find out about whether or not they have a will, I think it's important to, actually distinguish whether or not they hand wrote a will. I think the, we're talking at basics of just knowing what your mom has available for, for shine. Like you should also ask, okay, is it just like a handwritten will that you just kind of stored around? Or is it like a properly typed will that got notarized that has witnesses? Like did you properly sign it according to your, according to how it would be recognized in the, in the state law? Because that, I, I truly think my dad's, I know my dad didn't like talking to lawyers, but I don't think he, I think he underestimated just how difficult it would be to get a will recognized, even like in a local courts, even if it's in his home handwriting and we can prove that it wasn't fabricated or anything of that sort. I think that's something you got to also keep in mind too, when you're having those conversations with your, with your loved ones, like you got, you got, I mean, and also like, I, I would highly encourage you to avoid the situation we were that I found myself in and trying to get a lawyer hired after the fact to get a probate started to recognize a handwritten will, which would be legally defined as a holographic will, uh, because it's going to cost you between two to four thousand dollars just to get started, uh, and that's the, that's that's like an average, and that's that's if you don't have a lot to begin with. They may charge that's that's the pricing kind of estimates that we found in Mississippi that a lot of lawyers are charging around the uh, around the state. That's like the cost to, to hire one if you didn't get one, if, if you had to get a holographic will probated. Um, so this is something to keep in mind there. Uh, I do want to say that that book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, is, uh, I, I agree, it's invaluable. Um, it's life-changing because it gives you a better explanation of how money works, and it gets you interested in how to make money outside of a linear way of just having a job, which is great. And the last thing I was going to say about the advice is that if you need a script, the Colonial Pen commercials, magnificent. I would change the names, though, to people you don't know. So that way you don't come up with like, you know, remember Lewis? And then all of a sudden your mom's like, Lewis died? You don't want to do that. But those commercials are really good as far as telling the story and getting you to be able to lead into 
asking her the question, if you need help. Another uh, another staple in finance is uh, Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill. That um, that is very substance heavy. It gets into the me metaphysical aspect. But uh, if you read Rich Dad, Poor Dad a couple of times and you are looking to move on to a, a better financial drug, Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill is perfect. Since we are on books, one other one that I would recommend would be uh, Benjamin Graham's The Intelligent Investor. And... Mm. The reason it's a great book, um, it's actually the book that Warren Buffett credits for developing his investment uh, strategies and temperament. So um, it's a really good book. It's a very easy read. There's not a lot of uh, financial language, but it kind of helps you learn what your temperament is. So that way you're able to invest in a way that's not only comfortable for you, but it's long term, easy for you to duplicate. And just like Kevin said earlier, it helps you develop good habits because almost anything is a result of good habits over a long period of time. Not making one good decision that's enormous, just making a lot of tiny good decisions where you're able to uh, make great educated guesses and be able to dig deeper into whatever you're doing. So that way you you mitigate the risk more and more each time you you invest or study or research, et cetera. So uh, Intelligent Investor, I know it's on Amazon. It's a great book by Benjamin Graham. Nice. Yeah, Joe, I checked the uh, the notary in Michigan. It is a whopping $10 to do anything. $15 over here, Cali. It's not too bad. I'll take nice. 10 over 15. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think, I think we ain't free. We ain't free, but they ain't breaking us. I think I spent collectively up to this point 100 between 100 200 dollars in notaries because mm. not just for not just for the, the state stuff uh when it comes to signing original documentation because all the documents i had to sign it had to be original it had to be notarized and it had to be it couldn't it was not allowed i was not allowed to send a digital copy they wouldn't accept it i had to mail deliver a copy so all those document signings and mailings i mean collectively i spent about just 200 dollars alone on that front um Ooh. again now i'm not getting i'm not getting compensated by the state for that but that's like out of pocket but it is what it is uh shine i hope that uh the information that you got here is and will be useful uh to your particular situation yeah it was very useful like i said just getting me out my own comfort zone and just having that conversation with her and uh, just putting out there, putting out there that um, it just needs to be a conversation that needs to be had, and one I need to have with my sisters as well. Say to the only other topic to talk about, I mean, as far as this is concerned, is from my experience having to deal with real estate property and mortgages, it is easier to have a house be divided up in terms of proceeds and selling it uh, to your loved ones or whatever than it is to try to keep the house and run it, especially if you don't have a proper way of dividing how that house should be given to, to a loved one or whatever. 
just just FYI from my personal experience, it's easier to just sell it, sell the house, distribute either the funds equally to whatever whatever the proceeds are after the mortgage is taken care of, if you have mortgage on it, than it is to try to run and keep a house uh, when it comes to situations like this. Especially if you're not in a situation to take care of a home that's like a couple of states away, because you're going to also have to deal with the probate process. Usually, depending on the states, you have to restart the whole probate process of getting an estate opened up, getting a separate lawyer to hold uh, held up. So if you if you're if you have like if in your case, Sean, if your mom has something like that, that's something to also potentially Congress to talk about when it comes to physical, tangible real estate property. Just, I'm just saying, not saying it, you should influence it, but from my experience, it is easier to sell it, let let the let the inheritors get a cut of the proceeds, and then just move on. You know, keep it, try to keep it simple on that one, because it's going to be less ha headache from, from what, because I, I I I went through this process for about a year dealing with the legal side of just trying to get rid of uh, a real estate asset in Virginia. It was I never want to go through it again. Uh, honestly, so just something to keep in mind. Yeah, uh, because because trying to handle it in another state, you're basically going to have to shell out money for a uh, property management group because you're not going to physically be there. You know what I'm saying? You're not going to be uh, you're not going to be able to check on your tenants. You're not going to be able to check on the facility, et cetera, and that's going to cost you money. And then if they're not handling things properly. Um, at your facility and whatnot, you get you're going to to eat the brunt of whatever negativity is going on there. So basically, it just just circles back to like if you don't if you do not have much of a positive rapport uh, with you know the the people who will be having a part of uh, any type of inheritance and stuff like that. The suggestion would be, you know, saying to possibly uh, <laughs> come to grips with the reality that that relationship is just not going to work and sell the asset so you don't have to worry about dealing with each other uh, um, any further. Okay, just a quick question. I kind of was doing a couple things and I got distracted. Are you talking about like if you have, um, for example, like my mom, she has two, maybe three properties. Um, one of the properties is actually her family home that she grew up in. And right now I do have a cousin that's living there. And primarily my mom and my dad, when he was living, they were basically handling the maintenance of the house and the people that were living there. Um, so are you meaning like when it comes to things like that to, it's just better just to sell it off than versus trying to keep ownership of it. Like for example, between me and my sisters versus me, my sisters and my cousin. Yes, yes. Yep. I, I'm gonna say yep. yes, yes, yes. Mm -hmm. I went through a, a situation with not my cousin, but one of my brothers, and I, I it is a, it is a complete hassle, especially if if your cousin doesn't have like a backup option of moving out of that property because you're gonna be on the hook for capital. You may be on the hook for capital improvement projects. It's gonna it's taking a, taking care of one house takes takes a lot of work. If you've never been a homeowner. There's a lot of work involved in taking care of a house, especially if you have to get get it prepped on a market. And if you don't have a good real estate uh, um, real estate agent, uh, for example, like a licensed one, a good licensed one that has the right proper connections to get like uh, the proper repair services done, 
it's going to be way too much of a hassle. My, I strongly, strongly suggest just trying try to get rid of get rid of the asset. If if you know you can't afford to take care of it, especially if you have relatives involved, which to me, I, that's always going to complicate things. Um, yep. I'd rather, I, I strongly, just from my personal experience, get rid of the assets so that you don't have to deal with that headache. Because the other thing you have to do too is, even like depending on the state, you may have to request permission to simply even dis- make the decision to sell the house uh, in that I, in that particular regard. I forgot all about that. Yeah, depending on the state, like it, it, the house, they, they have uh, houses. It's not antique, but I forgot what the terminology for it, but, but houses here in Georgia that are like so old and everything like that. Like historical? Yeah, historical properties or whatever. Yeah, you got to get permission to unload them. Okay. And not only well, so, like the area, for example, sorry, cut you off. Um, where my mom's house, where she grew up in, it's not like in a historical area, but it is part of an area that is kind of being was it gentrified, gentrification. So, I guess that's another facet of you know, you know, selling it, and then what do you get? Do we split the profits between the family members or? Again, I know that's just kind of another added layer to when you're doing something like that. Yeah, see, that's a that's yeah. also that's another issue, right? Because see, Joe is speaking about specifically the people who are a part of the inheritance, right? Normally via name, right? But then you have another layer of issue because not only do you got to try to split with the people who actually are a part of the inheritance by name, right? You also have the family members who are not a part of it by name who still want a piece because they think that they deserve to have a piece because at some point in time, they helped take care of your mom or they loaned her some money at some point in time or something like that. Or, or, uh, uh, they answered phone phones at a business or what all kind of crap that they, they want to throw themselves into to be like, Oh, I'm a part of this. I should get a piece of this despite not knowing, that you know what I'm saying she had these things in place, et cetera, et cetera. Um, that's a bit easier to uh to get through though, um, because obviously if if there is no documentation that says that they are a part of this or whatever, I just mentioned that as just one of those those legs of of confusion and, and stuff that you might have to to go through. Iceman is one hundred percent on the money. Not only that, if you have some scummy relatives they may take advantage of squatting laws in your oh, state yes. to give you a reason to stick in there. That was a big concern I had with with one of my brothers who who was living who was living at this real estate property my dad had for for many years, not paying rent or utilities, but he would often mention, "Oh yeah, well you know I I, I cut the grass, you know I, I made sure the house is clean and shit." Even though I know he was also smoking weed at, at, and and kind of hurting the the, the the value of the house in one of the master bedrooms, like those kinds of things, you got to assume the worst. You, you have to assume the worst is what I've learned uh, when it comes to those kind of situations. Like like the squatting laws, you got to assume that uh, your relatives are going to try to take advantage of it whenever possible when when those kind of things are happening. And so my suggestion, uh, at, on top of what Iceman has said, is that. I mean, your mom should have some equity uh, distribution in place documented somewhere where she says, either in a will or whatever, that this house should be divided in terms of like this house should be sold and should be divided between these family members 
with this percentage in terms of proceeds after everything is taken care of, you know, and plus like you start getting to a problem also of if, if that cousin has been contributing any kind of finances to improve or to improve the capital project of that uh, estate uh, of that property, or like they're contributing anything else to kind of fix or restore the condition of whatever, they could easily make a claim towards the estate of your mom to claim compensation for taking care of that as well. And that is just another hassle you, you, you would have to deal with if you don't properly get that taken care of ahead of time. That is something I had significant concern of like on my end because part of the reason my shit got delayed and I, and I took care of this real estate property last because I knew it was going to be a legal hurdle dealing with dealing with a family member that was there that he we all knew he had to leave in order in order for us to get him out. But also, wait a second, he also had personal property in there. So it's like some states, they have certain rules about certain people living in properties that's not that doesn't have their name towards the, the title or the mortgage or whatever, but they have personal properties. There may be specific methods and means for having to take take out that property properly. Uh, when it comes to uh, when it comes to that stuff, it's just it's just a whole can of worms. And just getting through that process is like I don't I would not wish it on any executor. Like it it's ridiculous, you know. So yeah, and again, that's part of that uncomfortable conversation you might have to have with your with your mother on, on that regard. So those are things that I had to figure out and work around completely when I had to deal with this one real estate property that was in Virginia. And thankfully, the business side, my dad had a separate business, and that was easy to take care of because he he, he already listed my mom as president. So he knew my mom wasn't going to do anything with this business, and she was going to close it down. So that's why he listed her as a president in the well, whatever the board, board of directors meetings, whatever the meeting minutes or whatever the documents are called. Uh, on that side of the house, but uh, yeah, man, that that real estate property. I'm just letting you know, Shine. It's get get that shit sold, distribute whatever is left of the proceeds, the profit, if there is any profit, just distribute it amongst your siblings accordingly. That to me is the easiest, honestly. Okay. Now, Joe and Iceman have brought up some very very valid concerns as far as when you have family real estate involved upon the time of death, because. You want to do something with it because you don't want the state to say, thank you very much. We appreciate the land. Now, right. uh, the one thing that you have, you have a really clear advantage here because your plan was discussed with your mother and what it sounds like is going to be a really important family meeting to where if there are multiple properties involved, this is something that can be put together in a company if it's not already. And this can be something that can continue to bring wealth to the family. So that way it doesn't have to be a one shot deal where it's all sold just because you're, we're worried about mismanagement and, you know, losing out on things. But this is something that you definitely want to talk about and you definitely want to plan. So that way emotions and egos can already be taken care of while everybody's alive and everybody's thinking straight. So that way you can see what options are available because there may be a property management company that can be in place to help everybody benefit from those rental homes after she passes. There could be something in place to where you don't necessarily have to get rid of the land. You don't have to get rid of the houses because a lot of families, that's where they lose their wealth because all of a sudden 
they don't have any land anymore. And then everything else slowly gets stripped away because, you know, money's easy to manipulate. So you can get the money right away and it's very fast. It's very easy. And sometimes that's necessary in order to make sure you avoid family squabbles. But if your family can have a meeting and everybody can come together to where the properties can be of benefit beyond her, because she worked hard to acquire those properties. So it doesn't necessarily mean that they need to disappear from the family uh, once she leaves this earth. So it sounds like you have a really good reason to talk to her and get family members together so everybody can prepare and the next generation will be able to be better off than, than the last, just with all the assets that we're discussing in passing, which I think that's an, that's an amazing opportunity. And so I'm happy for you, Shine. That's great. I think I want to add it, Travis, too, like from his perspective. You had only one family house that, that someone could take care of. And I, I'm absolutely 100% on board with what he says, like for sure. For my, I mean, uh, that's the, that I, I could see that being an advantage because I, I wanted to do that actually with, with my family. But it unfortunately it didn't end up panning out because it was just logistical wise, it was going to be too much of a problem. Uh, there was no one that was willing to commit to trying to keep one family house on, on board uh, for that kind of stuff. So it just didn't work out for us. And uh, it was just going to be less of a hassle. But it, yeah, if you, had, if you had one family house that people would treat as like, maybe it's the home base is what, how my brothers and I joked about it at one point. Like if you treat it like the home base that, you know, that everybody could come to and all that good stuff, maybe you could rent it out and stuff like that. I mean, that, that would be really great. Right. Uh, especially if the house is already paid off for, why not take advantage of that asset and, and make good use of it. Right. But if you have a lot of pots in it, if you have a lot of hands in it, that's, that's the concern that I personally have. But, Travis is also definitely on point with that. I mean, they, I mean, if, if you didn't have a lot of hassles to deal with, it's definitely worth it for the family to keep. Like if your sister and yourself were to split it in terms of maintaining maintaining one property together, and maybe you guys rent it out, and then you guys just keep that overhead in place, it's like, and let it let them let the asset work for you. You know, you know, I, I would ideally in a perfect world, I would love to do that myself. You know, so um, just something to add to his point there. Okay, I right, I appreciate it. this is all good information, and I'm glad that um, I was able to ask a couple of questions. I was uh, just trying to make sure I was saying the right wording so I didn't get anybody confused with how I was trying to explain anything. Yeah, I mean, you can always punch them in the kneecap and just make them sign the paper and take it. I mean, that works too. Don't tempt me. <laughs> Not the kneecap. I was tempted. Kneecap. <laughs> I was tempted. Kneecap. The kneecap. <laughs> on the human body is one of the worst and hardest to take pain from, especially if you get shot there. But I did say punch. I said punch. This is sounding more like a hostile takeover. I like my family. I like the family meeting better just so, you know, you can talk without the kneecaps being in danger. Just, I'm just putting that out. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm just, I'm making sure you got all options available to you. Well, I was lucky. My brothers ended up not wanting to make any claims towards that real estate property because they realized, you know, there was still a three hundred fifty thousand dollar mortgage on it, and nobody wanted to be on the hook for it. So they were like, you know what? Uh, we don't want to pay for this house. Like, 
Like, it's not even in my name. Like, what's the point? Just, just get the proceeds to our mom. Just, just let her have everything. Let her worry about it. And so we ended up just getting, we ended up selling that house. Uh, everyone wanted to get it sold immediately. And I was like, you know what? Let's wait for the buyer's market to thrive in COVID. And we ended up selling that house a couple months ago uh, with all the legal process and everything, all the legal hurdles I had to deal with. Initially, before COVID, it was valued at 430000 So I already knew we were going to make, we were going to cover the mortgage and make a little bit of profit. Well, I ended up waiting a little bit extra, and the house jumped up to the the final sale of the house jumped up to seven hundred five thousand dollars with no contingencies. So not only did we cover the mortgage like very well, but we had enough we had enough money to give to my mom that she could reuse and reinvest to purchase another home whenever she moves to Virginia, because there's actually a tax deduction she could qualify for so that she's not on the hook for the capital gain tax. Fantastic. If you re if yeah, dude, if you reinvest, if you use that money immediately within a certain time period, you like it's basically not going to ever be taxed, and so she's not going to be on for that. That's and, beautiful. Dude, that, I was blessed. I was so we were so happy that I found that information out. COVID. That's the COVID. <laughs> the, the COVID education. Yeah, and I don't know if you guys uh, know too, but uh, another thing that this is not really related to the state, but separately, you know. When we paid for the funeral, uh, when we took care, when we took care of my dad's funeral and stuff, uh, combined together, we we could all afford it. Like it, it costed like maybe three to four thousand dollars. But FEMA actually had like a COVID nineteen emergency funeral fund. It took us a couple of months to get it, but they ended up uh, we ended up applying for that because we were able to prove, according to our dad's death certificate, that you know he passed away from COVID nineteen and. They gave us, we were able to qualify for $8,000 in compensation to take care of the funeral costs. So we try to take advantage as as much programs as possible that might have existed. Um, you know, we try to use disability programs too, like anything that could have given us an edge outside of the estate to kind of save our kind of money in terms of, because again, at the time we didn't know what, we weren't in a position to look for our dad's will. We, we didn't know what was up. We were just trying to minimize our, our costs and, turn, and expenses and overhead together as a family and trying to take care of all this stuff because, again, none of us wanted to be burdened with trying to take fear like our mom's caretaker like immediately, right? So uh, that's something else to kind of keep in mind, too. Like, you know, there's programs out there that could potentially reduce the cost of all of that tragic stuff that nobody wants to think about. And, you know, I was really happy that I didn't have to go through a GoFundMe or anything of that sort because I, 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 I thought – uh, this is not going to be affordable, but thankfully in Mississippi it was it was it was doable. It was doable for us, but something something else to keep in mind. It's not really related to the state, but you know something that kind of gave us a peace of mind when we first started too. So uh, once well, I want to say that this is great information. Uh, I'm learning a lot. I'm taking mental notes, taking paper notes, and all that. But I just want to say real quick that uh, uh. I had a similar situation. I'm still kind of going through it right now with my granddad. He died in two December 7, 2011. And, you know, he already had his will and everything together. And he sent it to his, uh, his, uh, his son, uh, my uncle, uh, Uncle Masi. And, um, you know, got that handled and got his uh, ashes, uh, got, you know, got his ashes uh, sent to, uh, to uh, Ghana and all that good stuff. But the reason I just want to speak real quick is that um, I've realized that when people pass away, 
uh, well, the term secrets die with you, I don't believe in that. Uh, if anything, secrets, if you're sending secrets to people that you know and you happen to pass away, them same people under certain cir circumstances are going to give you those uh, secrets if you, you know, put them under the right conditions or whatnot. And, um, uh, and I'm going to my nerve back here when I say this, but my auntie, uh, uh, my granddad's uh, oldest daughter, is on some Azula shit, if you guys understand uh, Avatar The Last Airbender, the, uh, the animated series. She's really on the evil tip in, in terms of trying to get, uh, get the house that's in Alabama right now um, under the guise of, I guess, putting the, uh, making my mother look bad while she looks good, um, convincing not only my grandmother, who for some reason just not seeing the truth, and trying to get other people in Lowndes County to believe that, you know, she's on the goody two-shoes tip and certain people do see the underhanded stuff that she's doing. But um, uh, all in all, I will take all this information into account and do my own research and um, uh, and, and move forward with that. So. I, I hate when people are in like those small areas, those rural towns where it's like mm. 3,000, 5,000, barely 8,000 people there and everybody knows everybody. Everybody mm. knows everybody's business and stuff like that. And then someone passes and you find out that that person had a little more than you expected. You know what yeah. I'm saying? And then all of a sudden the rumors come out and then everybody's got a story to tell and I really despise this stuff. Really? And 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 I just want to talk about my granddad real quick because I think this would be a uh uh it, it's yeah, I'll I'll just talk about my granddad real quick. For the longest in my young childhood and, and he died when I uh, you know, a little bit after I graduated from high school back in uh two thousand eleven. Um but for the longest, I always had a God complex with him because he did had he did so many things with uh, back in the civil rights movement. And real quick to give you a picture in the civil rights movement uh, during a Bloody Sunday, my granddad was the third person in line. And you can tell because he was the only one wearing flooded pants. That was his style. That was his style all the way until he died. Why that style? I don't know. But um, he did so much work for folks and. He was the type of person to uh, give credit to others. And if you happen to find out that he did certain things back in the past and he, you know, you, you know, uh, uh, you know, he won certain awards, stuff like that, that was up to you. But he wouldn't promote it as others would, uh, I would say. But um, I did have a God complex with him. And then what's sad was that um, months before he passed away, you know, me and him hung out because at the time after high school, you know, I was. Uh, getting my craft together, trying to get a job and, you know, people weren't hiring me. So my granddad had me to, you know, work with him and do handiwork, learn how to uh, 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 learn about firearms and stuff like that. And as I learned a little bit more about him, I'm like, OK, the God complex is, is shrinking a little bit or shrinking a whole lot, I'll say. And then um, uh, what I want to say, uh, he. Um, after he passed away, that was that was real tragic. And then soon you get to find out that, you know, the family secrets um, 
was only held together because of him. And because he passed away, you know, secrets were blown out and stuff like that. Um, uh, but the reason I bring him up is because of the fact that he, because he's so prominent in the civil rights movement and we just recently put, uh, had a memorial sign for 22 miles from uh, Selma going through Lowndes County into Mo uh, Montgomery County is uh, is named after him, Robert uh, Bob Mans Jr. Memorial Highway. And because of things like that, um, I, I, I think my auntie would cash in on that. And it's it's difficult because the one person, the it's not really about everybody else in, in Lowndes County or the neighbors or whatnot. It's really the fact the main family member that won't believe what she's doing and whatnot and the main person i'm talking about is my grandmother the the, the person that my uh granddad married and she did work in the civil rights movement too maybe it's a favoritism of of children i don't know and if that's the case let's let's talk about that but all in all it's it's it's, it's some foul things going on and slowly but surely just like onions is 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 unraveling and um you know, in in terms of uh, will in the state, uh, I did learn some notes from my granddad. It's just uh, I, I'm concerned for the future when it comes to you know, you know, certain family members like an auntie gonna see like, okay, if I grand if my grandmother were to pass away, what would happen next? Type of thing. So, what would she do? So, you know, that's a tough that's a tough situation that you gotta deal with. I'm really. I feel for you, dude, because um, the the one thing that um, my folks, because because I my my dad passed away in a kind of a small town. I had a thankfully, thank God, I had a much more positive experience when it came to all his friends, his coworkers, mm -hmm. and uh, and even his students, even his students mm -hmm. and all that good stuff. Like he was really a popular dude, and I was really shocked at the kind of positive impact he made in his like mm -hmm. in his line of work in his career and. And I, it was really shocking to see the kind of, um, especially after the funeral, I thought maybe my dad didn't have the best reputation because he was really, really like a hard, firm person. And then, you know, it was a completely opposite, you know, experience in terms of the conversations we would have uh, after mm -hmm. the funeral and stuff and seeing what, and, and I'm just, it just really sucks that you're, you're going through that process and, and just, just realize that you're not the only person that, that, that may experience that. It's like, it's usually a common thing that, that, that I hear happens. Uh, I've heard some horror stories from my coworkers when it came to their family and when it came to their loved ones. And man, it, this shit, your your story is kind of it's pretty common, man. It, it's, it's I, I don't envy your situation and your position, and you know I I, I wish you the best of luck in, in dealing with that. You know. Mm. I I appreciate that, and 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 we'll we, I think we'll figure it out. I think the family members will figure it out. Like I said, the layers are showing more and more of what our auntie is doing, and and it's one of those things where it's like okay. If it was a stranger or something, you know, that we can we can handle that in the instant. But if it, because it's a family member, it's more complex. It's more it's more uh, uh, an abyss uh, type of thing that you have to dive in, deep into to figure it out. It's not just a one simple answer type of thing that you can handle. So you're right. And in terms of uh, who might be an executor too, like I don't envy whoever has to be the executor to deal with all that all that nonsense, mm. man. Like. The only the only thing that my brothers and my mom also agreed in unison, because once even though we didn't re really kill each other, we definitely did not give a fuck about our relatives, and mm. so we made it a point to go out of our way. You don't have the same luxury given it was your it was one of your grandparents, so there's a lot more 
pieces involved. There's a lot more players involved. Mm-hmm. But we made sure to minimize our contact with all of our relatives to the greatest extent possible. And we also agreed to notify each other whenever a certain relative overseas or even my uncles and aunts that were siblings of my father mm-hmm. did not did not try to fish with any of us uh, mm-hmm. when it came to calling us, reaching out to us, to, to ask, okay, what did our dad leave? What did our dad? My brother and sister, what did my father leave behind in terms of ashes? Like, what, what, how, do, how are you guys doing on that? Like, what's going on? What's being taken care of? It's like, listen, we're handling, we're just, we're still grieving. Our go-to answer is we're still grieving. We're trying to handle all this stuff. Like, we, we, don't, we don't really want to talk about it because it's like, we're hurting right now. We're hurting right now because it didn't happen, right? And so there's a certain point, though, there's a certain point during the estate process where you have to give something like it usually happens after the estate officially opens and the probate you have to do something called a notice to creditors mm. it's a document and it's a function uh that basically you're basically properly legally notify any potential debtors any any debtors or anything of that sort of, uh, like if you're if your loved one if your granddad had like a debt against the bank they had like a loan with a car company for example you would properly notify them, usually through a newspaper obituary and depending on the state, you would have to notify each newspaper in the country uh, uh, regarding that, that person's passing so that people can have a window of opportunity to claim debts, claim compensation against the estate, and make a case against the estate. And depending on the state that you open the probate in, that notice usually lasts on average like three to four months. Sometimes it's way shorter than that. My case had happened for three months, and it, our strategy of not telling our relatives actually paid off in the sense that we didn't have anyone claiming, trying to, trying to, anyone from outside my dad's family trying to claim anything against the estate. And even if they, even if they knew they didn't have a case and they hired a lawyer just to delay the time and stuff, that's a critical time period of which you got to be really cognizant and careful of who you talk to. Uh, when it comes to any of your relatives or any of your family that may have some sort of stake or may want to have some sort of piece of the pie that your granddad left behind or your grandma might leave behind, right? So that's something to keep in mind, too. Like, you know, I we made the, the smart decision to not notify or tell our, parent, or tell our relatives what, what's all going on with the estate. We treated it like it was a national security platform where things were classified. Mm. <laughs> and it paid off because it was one huge threat that, that went off of my mind because people were asking. And my dad made the smart move to always tell his family, like, yeah, I don't have any money. I don't have any money. You know, or, you know Mississippi, I mean, Mississippi, it's like, I don't make a lot of money in Mississippi. You're the part of state in the country. Like, fuck off. Don't ask for he put a lot on him, you know. He's like, "Don't ask me for shit," you know. <laughs> you know what I'm so smart really, man. Yeah, he was super smart. He really thought ahead of the shit. And in reality, he actually took a lot of money, but he always acted like he never had any money. But the thing is, I could see why my brothers got resentful because my dad was so he acted so stingy that it kind of messed with like, it, like compared to me, it kind of messed with my brothers in terms of like how much he could have had to support his brothers and their ambitions in terms of. You know the, the simple the, the things in life that we expect from the American dream, like you know when you when you get to high school, you get your first car, right? Like you, you got the pressure of society to deal with that. Or after grad after graduating from high school, you go to you go to college, right? Hopefully, you don't spend too much money and too much time trying to 
trying to just survive and pay up, pay all your bills and pay your tuition and stuff to just, and not have any student debt. You know, my, my dad was pretty stingy when it came to my brothers in that regard, but he, I guess he was playing the long game because thankfully nobody ever came up to us and hired a lawyer to try to, to try to mess with that, with that process at any point. But yeah, that's something, uh, hopefully that gives you some insight as to how we kind of approached it. But again, we didn't have the complexity like you noted of, well, there's there's multiple family members involved. There's a whole town involved, and then not only that, it's not it's not your immediate family member. It's not your father, or your mother. It's your grandparents. That introduces a lot of complexities, uh, especially if they don't leave behind anything for grandchildren, or maybe they set up some structure in a way where it's like the grandchildren may inherit something, depending on if certain conditions are met. Like I, I, I again, I don't envy your position. I don't envy your situation at all. And 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 you did mention something. My granddad did leave something. I forgot what the term was, but it was a it was a type of term where uh well he did leave some money, but the type of money that he left I I forgot the name of it, but it was uh he it, it, I think it was a way where you can put in a certain amount of money and it will grow a little over over time. Oh, retirement account. I just forgot the like an investment account. Stock account. I, I I think I think it was I think it was that. And the amount of money, I think it was like maybe five, like, I don't know, maybe, maybe 5,000 for each of his grandchildren after we graduate from high school, something, something like that. But it, it, it did help me throughout uh, school or whatnot and, and getting my craft up and, and the craft that I do is, you know, graphic design illustration. So I, I thank him for that because he was thinking ahead. Um, but yeah, it is, it's, it's, uh, I got, I got to really do my research because I don't want the, uh, the state to be, you know, in the wrong hands, or let's just say that, you know, my grandmother passed away and the state is in the auntie's hands. So now because I, it, the state is in auntie's hands, there's nobody in the family can, can go there because she's the ownership of it now. And it's like, wait a minute, it's, it's a, it's a family house. We put work into it. What you talking about? But you know. Yeah. So that's where a lot of people can justify getting a lawyer involved. And, and Travis mm-hmm. and I, especially, I mean, uh, if you guys know the proper term that you was talking about, I think it's a retirement account, like an IRA or Roth IRA. Sounds like something like that. Uh, but for something like that, I mean, there is a case, there is justification at some point in the process. If the executor is not acting in good faith or they're not mm. properly uh, doing things according to what the family wants or what the will wants, I, ultimately it's, it's, it's ultimately up to whatever the, the will your grandfather says, if, if he has one mm. laying around. Right. I mean, and then, no, no. To answer your question real quick, he did. Uh, he sent it to uh, um, my uncle and uh, aunt. But when it came to our mom, because of the situation with our auntie, she she uh, rejected reading the uh, will, which I really wish she would have got uh, gotten that. But um, but yes, please continue. Please continue. I'm sorry. No, I spent. Uh, uh, Travis, you guys got any insight? Oh, uh, for me, <laughs> I, I don't ever want to keep bringing down the negative side of it but yeah for me um when you have those situations where see the thing is because it's written that way but you but you also have a family that doesn't really have like the money to get um lawyers and stuff like that involved um earlier when they need to or whatnot that's normally when you do have to try to come together as family to to make it work so you can 
adjust the process as much as humanly possible. Even if, even if, which is, it's really, it's really hard when you got multiple hands in the fishbowl and you got to trust everybody to put in a hundred dollars or you got to trust everybody to put in twenty dollars, you know, blah, blah, blah. Um, but my suggestion is for the matriarch of the family to be able to try to, you know, get people s- sat down. Even even if it's not in person, you know, whether it be Zoom or whatever the case may be, to get them to work out whatever grievances so y'all can move forward since you all may or may not have the the money to invest in uh, doing it the way that we have all been conversing about and suggesting. Um, in, in regards to the aunt situation and her not reading the will and whatever, that's kind of a um, your word versus hers type of thing now that she realizes that there's more to it, that there might be something in there that, that is to her benefit. Um so that just comes with the territory though you know what i'm saying but uh i think if you all are more of a unified front and you can work towards that that it will be more beneficial so you can speed up this process to to get things handled because it's been years so um you don't want to have things like this lingering on and I'm pretty sure things like this also just continues to drive a, a wedge um, between uh, your family members as well. Understood, understood. I will take all of that in consideration and do my research as well and talk to moms and everybody about this. I mean, we've been talking about it, but I, I guess it's just more information. The more information, the better. Or, or you can always aim for the kneecaps. I'm just <laughs> listen. That that not listen. Just yeah, punch it right. Punch kick. Yeah, one one yeah. good yeah. swift thrust kick to the kneecap, and a pin in the right hand should do it. Mm. So, so I have a question. Uh, what in the will stipulates that all the executor has to do? Because sometimes the will. A will may also state that, you know, just for extra measure, that you know, the the executor has to properly function and ensure that the all the assets are distributed, just as an extra measure, so that it holds a level of accountability that you can prove in court that if they're not acting in good faith, you know, you can kind of use that to say like, hey, we may need another executor to, to, to take over, or. Mm-hmm. Or worst case scenario that you don't want to have, no family, I promise you, no family wants to have a scenario. Worst case scenario, you have the firm take over as the executor. And you're mm-hmm. going to be in that legal legal conundrum for years because they're going to never want to close it. You know? So so, so do, what what do you know based on your current knowledge? Like what, what is stipulated okay. in the will outside of whatever has to be distributed? Like the executor function and role. Well, um, what I do know is that uh, if I'm making using this term right, the executor, the, I, the executor, if anything, would be my uncle Kumasi. He uh, gave uh, the directions on, on his will and everything uh, to my uncle. So if anything, he would trust him to 
manipulate certain things around the house and put them in certain places and talk to certain people about getting things done and whatnot. Um, I haven't gotten the will. I wish I had a copy, but as soon as, you know, a little bit after my granddad passed away and I was able to go to my uncle and we had some real talk or whatnot, he mentioned the will. As a matter of fact, he had it in his hand. I was like, hey, can I get a copy of that? He's like, uh, no. So it was, it was the end of that. Um, uh, in terms of, uh, the estate or whatnot, if I, if I were to guess, my auntie would pro probably has already done a lot of manipulation up to this point. So if anything, um, my uncle would probably be like, okay, I'm a, you know, my, my dad says this, but because I trust you, older sister, I'm going to turn it into something else type, type of thing. But all in all, this is just observation. I don't know much. I just got to ask more questions. Um, uh, yeah, your your mom at least deserves to get a copy of that. If she hasn't gotten a copy, whether or not okay, here's the other problem. Go ahead. Is, is the will handwritten or is it typed up, proper signature? Do you even know that? Does your mom at least know what kind of will it is? No, that for sure I, I know she does not know. Um, last time I checked and last time I like skimmed it when my uncle showed the the will or whatnot, it looked typed up. Like okay. you know, type it on a computer. You had it had it in the in in stores just in case. And and do you guys have proper legal representation already with the with the state as far as your aunt is concerned? Have you guys set that up yet or no? Uh okay. If I remember, well, this is this is this is just based off of memory. From what our mom has told us before about the land, part of that was supposed, or either partially or most of it was supposed to be towards us, but because of our auntie is 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 not or is getting towards to being, uh, in her positions type uh, type of thing. But uh, I have to, I have to ask again. Um, see, see, the reason why I ask is again, mm -hmm. depending on your state, there's a okay. lot, there's rules and processes that an executor has to follow. Like to ensure legal compliance, mm. and if they're not doing that, and they have access to these assets, and they're moving money around when they shouldn't be moving money around, and there's no transparent communication, it's mm. a really, really bad look from a legal perspective. Not just not just from a family perspective, but from a legal perspective, it could be a really bad look to say, okay, someone like your mom could easily hire a lawyer to get personal okay. representation, say. This person is taking advantage and accessing these funds unnecessarily. They're not properly distributing it. They're intentionally delaying the process for whatever reason mm -hmm. and not taking, not properly treating the inheritors fairly when it comes mm -hmm. to your grandfather's stock. But there is, there is, depending on what's on that will, but even, even with that being said, if you don't have a proper law firm that's taking care of it, like you're doing it kind of like, this, to me, it sounds shady. It, it sounds kind of shady the way it's being handled, especially if nobody has one lawyer to go to that you can talk about to handle this stuff. Mm. Because it's easier, for, it's easier to do it with one lawyer that represents the estate than it does doing anything else. And do you know if they have like a probate in, if they've done a petition, if they've done joiner documents? Because these are the basic – yeah, go ahead. No, no, I was going to respond. That, that I don't know. That I don't know. Yeah. The first order of business is know, knowing what is all listed on that will and hopefully was not manipulated after the fact. 
you have mm -hmm. like an it's an actual signature notarized because if it's a proper will that's typed and notarized and properly witnessed, there's going to be a copy of it either in court somewhere so that there's, there's already in state documents in place that you can easily publicly access from the county clerk's office. Hmm. I know some states, they, you can go to the appropriate county clerk office and they'll, you can ask, like, hey, do you have the public document that's recorded for this person's estate? Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm like the grandson of this person and I don't have, I, I, we don't have access to the will and we're, my family's trying to get a copy just under, we're just trying to know what's been recorded up to this point. If they say, no, we don't have any records on hand, it's, it, it's, sh shut the operations down. You need, mm. you guys all need to have a talk with your aunt and your uncle. Y'all need to sit down, like I should said. Y'all need to figure something out because somebody at some point, so, there's going to be a bunch of losers, and, and mm. it's going to be really, really painful and hurtful if you don't do it properly. You know. Okay. Okay. Um. And now let me ask you this: What books would you recommend for me to look into to to read up on? Um, wills, estates, stuff like that. So at least me and my, and so I can be personally prepared. I never used a book for this. I had either coworkers who went through the product, like older senior coworkers who went through it to give me the advice. I ended up okay. having to hire, I ended up having to hire a lawyer because my situation mm -hmm. required a lawyer for my situation mm -hmm. because my dad only had a handwritten copy. You can also ask your local county clerk's office. Uh, I forget what the, the specific clerk office is, but it's a specific clerk office that, that deals with this kind of stuff. And mm. they can typically give you some free advice uh, as far as like uh, certain steps that you need to do to record a will into a probate or, you, or to record a probate in a, in a court's office or whatever. So you could, you could use that as an initial starting point, as an initial research if you don't know anyone. So check your local mm -hmm. county clerk's office. I, I forget what I did with my it's, it's like a specific name. I can't remember. Okay. Whatever your city, your local county clerks, if they can refer you to the right department, and then you can get some more information there. But uh, the the clerks will usually process all those documents and stuff. So if they have a little bit of knowledge about how the court procedures work, especially if you can't, if your family can't afford a lawyer, they can kind of help you out starting out uh, okay. to get some get to, to, to get some idea. But uh, yeah, I never personally used the book. I I I raw dog it, you know. So a lot of okay. my stuff is based on personal experience. Like I paid, I paid the lawyer money to get the, the knowledge that I'm giving you now. Um, so understood, understood. And by the way, the the the, the state where um, my grandparents lived was in Alabama, or is specifically Lowndes County. So oh lord, oh shit, Alabama, Alabama, Alabama. Alabama, Mississippi, I, I don't know how lax Alabama is or how strict Alabama is, but again, every state is different. Likely, if, if, um, if, if your grandfather typed a will, but he didn't properly process it in a legal yeah. system, then it's not a, it's not a, it's not a proper will. It's a, it's a, it's a handwritten will that needs to be mm. processed as a, well, that needs to be processed as what's called a holographic will. Holographic wills are just basically handwritten wills that that weren't that wasn't properly signed or anything, but that obviously had the intentions of the deceased person trying to distribute assets around, and mm. that is, and but in that process requires joiner documents from every family member involved as an inheritor. Joiner documents, yeah, joiner documents, J O I N D E R. Those documents are basically saying, okay, I got notified of this process. 
to probate this this will as a holographic will so that it's legally recognized uh, in the state of Alabama or whatever, and that we have an assigned executor in place to take care of the the, the functions as stated in the will, right? You have to open that probate. It's called opening a probate. You have to open this process to get it to get it taken care of. But whoever is the executor usually leads it. They will sign a petition to open a state. And then your family members that are involved, that the will says that's involved, um, typically that it will include like the sons and daughters. And if they left anything for the grandchildren, don't be grandchildren potentially involved, right? They all have to sign individual joiner documents to approve that petition. Mm. So that one, you were properly notified that a will is being processed into the, the, into the state. And two, that you are providing your consensus uh, to open this petition without having to go through the court proceedings. Nobody wants to go through the court proceedings. I promise you that. It's going <laughs> to cost too much money. You don't want to get a, your own lawyer to, to represent you. you. You want you want to skip through all of that process. Hmm. You have to do this right because there's depending on the company. Like let's just say you had a, your your grandfather had like a checking account in Bank of America. Well, Bank hmm. of America is not like other banks out there potentially, right? They're not all banks run the same. Right. You may come in there, you may give them a death certificate and say, okay, according to this will, sir or ma'am, uh, I got to get this account. Check to I gotta get this transfer to and or the funds transferred to this person according to this will. Some banks will not accept that that will at all because it's like, well, where's the legal document that says you are actually authorized to do this? Where's your mm-hmm. letter of administration that says you are legally authorized to represent this deceased person? Like some of them are really strict. Some companies are not strict at all. They'll just be like, Okay, you got a death certificate? Okay, cool. Okay, uh you're the administrator? Okay, cool. But but there's a lot of companies that are really strict about that stuff, and that's why you need this probate in place to, to basically ensure that nobody's going to tell you to fuck off, or not, that every company is not going to tell you to fuck off when it comes to trying to get access to those accounts and yeah. doing the proper paperwork to handle all that stuff, right? So okay. just something to keep in mind. Yeah, because like, there's, there's like one... Uh, I could not do anything with that real estate property in Virginia in my situation without having some probate in place in Mississippi. But I also had to get a probate in place in Virginia because Virginia did not did not necessarily recognize the Mississippi estate authority because mm-hmm. they have their own rules in place. So thankfully, there is a way to kind of minimize that and streamline that to where you can record a will in Virginia without having to go through the entire probate process all over again. Um, so Virginia was lax in that regard, right? So that's, that's something to consider too, especially if your grandfather had assets in other states, you know? So, so yeah, that's the, kind of, that's the kind of situation. And that's why it is critical to know what the hell is on that will and what kind of will it is. Because yeah. if, it's a, if it's a proper type will and it has the signatures and stuff, there's a lot of steps that your aunt, that your family can skip, even the executor can skip. You don't even necessarily have to do all the joiner documents every time you have to do a transfer for a certain asset, which 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 affected me a lot. Like there are certain uh, vehicle transfers that my, my dad did not put my mom on a certain vehicle for whatever reason, and we sometimes we had to get like joiner documents from all the family members to sign 
to approve the transaction of my mom being authorized to get that car in her name. Mm. Even though it was very clearly meant to be given to her towards her, but the will didn't state it exactly. You know? Like that kind of stuff. And the only reason they had to sign that joiner is because it was a holographic will. It wasn't a properly typed notarized will. So okay. I had to make sure that the family was properly notified. I had to make sure that they were aware that they gave their consent to ensure that this was allowed. Because the court, sometimes you got to ask court permission to, to do that transfer, and they'll sometimes ask for that documentation. Like, okay, did the rest of the family approve this? And like I said a while back, I think it was I said it, you don't want to be in a situation after, oh, I forgot to mention, depending on some states, depending on how long your, your loved one passed away, there's usually time limits of when you can get a, a yep. pro probate process. Yep. Oh, wow. like there, there's days? a yeah, there's a statute of limitation also in regards to assets and stuff like that. Like Travis was talking about in regards to just like losing things because you know saying the state might take it over or whatever the case may be. Um, no. that plays that plays a factor in it too. Now, obviously, if you have taken things to court and you you're in you're in multiple uh, calendar dates, meaning that you got, you know, lawyers working on this stuff like that. Normally you're just paying them to just like, uh, to, to, to basically prolong the process as you all get your, you know, your business in order. But I'm pretty sure even the lawyers would be suggesting the same thing I suggested, which is you all come together, you all have a sit down, you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. In, in you know some even if the lawyer has to be a mediator or whatever um but you all work out your grievances or whatever so you can get things closed down because either way the lawyer is going to get paid he or she is going to get paid regardless but then um if it's no matter how big or small the amount of land it is believe me dude the 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 county is looking to it to take it so yeah. They don't care about, you know what I'm saying, what, what crap you all are going through, you know, to uh to, to manage the situation and stuff like that. They just looking in that computer, they're just waiting for that date to come up so they can come snatch it up. Okay. Of course. Yeah, I agree with Iceman. That could be like the main incentive that that forces your family to come together, like because again, you can be sometimes you can be legal depending on who's like trying to get the assets and stuff. They could be held legally liable by the courts and by the state. Mm. Like, nope, no, you weren't. Depending on the state, like, nope, you weren't supposed to get this. What does it say that you're allowed to get this? What authority do you have here? The court, the, and the fucked up part is, the courts have a lot more power and influence and say in terms of what you are allowed to acquire when you don't have those processes in place. It's actually kind of fucked up. How much permission you have to ask for the courts to approve? Even some of the most minor things, even like a book royalty, one book royalty. If you, if your, if your loved one had a book with McGraw Hill Publishing, whatever, just one book, one book, and they had royalty, they made maybe a small amount of royalty, maybe a couple hundred dollars a, a year. Even that takes permission from the courts in a certain way, uh, separate from what McGraw Hill may allow from their company policy. When it comes to their uh, divvying it up, it may the policies may conflict with what the court says to, to handle that that thing with, without a proper procedure in place, right? Mm -hmm. So, I mean, 
again, it doesn't matter what the company policy is. It's, it's the court of law, like what I said, man. You got That's it is imperative that you guys have that conversation because you want to avoid that. And the only, I definitely got lucky. We did it right around. We got our something care right around. It happened in November, so I want to say around the 67 day mark was once I got my shit together and I could afford a lawyer for for the family. You know, I was able to hire a lawyer and start get the process started. You know, but that even finding a even finding a decent lawyer that's not going to try to screw the family over, that's a whole different can of worms too, dude. There's a lot of, there's a lot of scumbag law firms that really take advantage. And estate lawyers make bank. They make bank. And the last thing you want a lawyer to be doing is smelling blood and tensions amongst your family. Even as a mediator, they will try to drag that shit. You have to assume they will drag that shit as much as possible, which is why Iceman makes it such a emphasize early on why you guys got to come, why it's important that you guys come together, you know? Right. So that, we, my family, we're, we're kind of more simpler. We kind of don't want to spend any money of our own. And we kind of got some stinginess from our dad. So it's like, okay, what's going to cost more to fight each other than it is to actually come together and just take care of this shit? Because there's no, there's no, thankfully my dad's will was like a one pager. So it wasn't like much to talk about. Like there wasn't much to give. But even then, I've been in this thing for two years and I'm just now starting to close the estate uh, with everything that's going on. And that was just for one page worth of stuff. Just one page. You know, so. So yes, do do some research in 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 that particular state. Even though I know you might be here in Georgia, um, also uh, talk to your mom or your uncle or whatever to find out. Because if they haven't gotten any type of legal representation over this process, be honest with you, man, it's only a matter of time before. the time elapsed and it's exhausted and then it ain't even going to matter no more. Mm. Um, then, then then the family really going to be at each other tooth and nail when you see land has been lost, potential money that could have been made has been lost, family security, you know what I'm saying, has been lost, being able to, to, to have family members in there and live comfortably or whatever the case may be, all of that stuff. Cause then, then y'all really going to be at, well, not y'all, but they are really going to be at each other's throats. Mm. Um, and this situation is going to do nothing but worse. And, and then also it's going to repeat because death is evident. So it's going to happen again with an uncle. It's going to happen again with an aunt or whatever. It's just going to be a repeat process again. Um, so yeah, if need be, like we like we suggested to shine, <laughs> play, play this in the kitchen <laughs> when y'all making dinner, you know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? And and hopefully it can open up the 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 doors to uh having a conversation in, in a more positive way. Um, okay. And maybe you can get the right parties to sit down and talk to one another and agree on some things. And and maybe just maybe that will push aside that one bad apple that's throwing a monkey wrench in the whole entire situation. You might even be able to to figure out something that will appease him or her. Okay. Where that where 
things will balance out for him or her, you know what I'm saying, to get the things that, that they want, you know what I'm saying, as well as closing this whole entire situation. Yeah, to add on, what Isra said, I mean, getting the process started, you get the, you get the uh, petition, you do the petition. So this is how the workflow is going to look in a, in a, from a legal perspective. You're going to open the petition to open the estate if, if it's not already been done, which sounds like it has not been done based on the preliminary information that I have up to this point. They're going to then do the notice to creditors, which is, again, depending on the state, it has a certain time period. You know, uh, you know, in Mississippi, it's like three months worth for people or banks or companies or whatever to claim any kind of debts or liabilities toward, against the estate of your grandfather. Once that's taken care of, once the debts are listed and all that stuff, your, your estate inherits the debt. You, no individual person inherits the debt, in theory. The estate does. And what's going to happen is that whatever assets the estate that's under the estate, it's gonna it's gonna try to take care of the law firm if it one exists. You're gonna use the assets to, to pay off all those liabilities and those debts that exist. And whatever assets are remaining, in theory, will be should be properly distributed distributed against with the inheritors, depending on what's all what's all left uh, according to the will and stuff. In theory, I say in theory because. Uh, in reality, for, uh, at least for my situation, you know, there wasn't a lot of debt that we had to worry about, and the debt, the debt was going to be taken care of by one asset, which was a real estate property. It was a mortgage, so the, that asset is both an asset and a liability because it's associated mm -hmm. with one item, right? So it was self-contained in that regard. So I don't know what would be the situation for your folks, right? But it's that's how the workflow would go. But once that's resolved. Then you have to do the, the transfer for anything uh, that requires authorization and, trans, uh, and transaction to occur, right? Mm -hmm. So all that stuff, um, whether it's a royalty transfer rights, vehicle property transfer. So you, your executor is usually at their discretion, depending on who's the beneficiary of that, uh, of how they can kind of tackle that. Uh, whether mm -hmm. they talk to the company themselves or they get the, the inheritor to talk with the company and just give the letter that shows that the process is there. And if the executor has to sign a document, they just give the document to the executor and they sign it and they mail it, whatever, whatever they got to do, right? Just, you know, the, the root, what I call the routine process of, you know, just ensuring the transactions go smoothly at that point. Mm. And then near the end, you have the closing phase, which is what I'm currently going through is, you know, you, you sign a petition to close the estate once all loose ends have been wrapped up. It's typically where all the assets have been divided up to that point. All the liabilities have hopefully been taken care of. And even like the taxes are done, which is a requirement. You have to do the taxes of your, whoever your uh, deceased person is. The, the taxes mm -hmm. have to be done. Like, that is a requirement in this entire process. If it's not done, IRS is going to probably get, make someone liable. <laughs> Mm, <laughs> They're gonna okay. be somebody in your family liable for that person's taxes, most likely, most, most likely. And so, at, in that closing phase process, assuming nobody hired their own personal representation, that is the time where any family members, if they're not gonna sign a joiner document to wrap it up, they can go to the courts and say, tell and let the courts know, are you happy with what you received? Are you unhappy with what you received? Or are you happy with what you have not received, or are you happy with what you have received, right? Um, or are you unhappy with what you have not received? 
that is going to be a time where final loose ends can potentially be wrapped up. But if you're already doing the petition to close the state, usually at that point, nobody has any disputes at that point. And the good thing about that closing is that basically you still have a letter of administration that allows you to interact as the executor with any companies out there. So if there was any items left or discovered after the estate was closed, you know, obviously the family at that point should ideally take care of it and the executor should still be able to take care of it, no problem. You know, mm -hmm. assuming they do it right, right? So that's typically how the workflow is going to work, generally speaking, based on my personal experience. And again, I've been doing it for two years. I can't imagine what, what especially since you you as a grandchild maybe potentially involved, I can't imagine what what that's going to introduce with your with your on and off, on and uncles? Uh, it's going to be. It, I, I feel like it's it's, it's going to be a, a Pandora's box. I would say that. I, I will say the it's better to deal with one lawyer that represents the estate mm. than to deal with multiple lawyers that represents individual family members. Mm. Okay. Yeah, and, the, and again, the way I approached it, too, with my brothers, my family, it's like, okay, well, again, it, there's a lot of incentives to think rationally about this, even though people are processing the grief and whatnot. You have to think about the incentives, the potential cost of what it may take to fight, and then the potential opportunities uh, in terms of benefits of uh, what it may take to just how much, how much expenses you reduce how much cost it would reduce for everybody if you all work together as a team, at least for a short while. Because in my personal opinion, every, everything is under critical DEFCON 1, critical mm -hmm. alert, when you don't have a probate in place. It's mm -hmm. DEFCON 1. Because that's the most critical phase. If I, if I were to tell you what the most critical phases are of the estate process, it's trying to get it freaking open if it wasn't open already. Mm. Trying to get one open, doing that notice to creditors, that's the second critical phase. And then the last phase is the closing phase. Like those are the critical parts where so it takes one person to fuck it all up. It takes mm. one person to fuck it all up. If they don't agree with it, if, if they don't want to sign a joiner, because it's going to cause unnecessary delays in the process. Again, Nobody, in my in my personal opinion, nobody in your family should like the idea of being served a summons. If you go mm -hmm. through the estate process, the probate, you don't want to have a family. Like your mom, for example. Your mom says she doesn't want to read a letter. She may lean towards not wanting to get involved. She mm -hmm. may be required to – she's going to be forced to get involved legally because okay. she is going to be deemed as an inheritor by the, by the state. She cannot mm -hmm. escape that. She cannot okay. escape that. And the only thing she can do is either she can typically play ball with the joinder document or she got to get served a summons by a law enforcement officer to show up in court where everybody else could just, whoever signed her documents, can just chill out. They don't have to go to court. She's going to be wasting her own time and money to go out there to the court and just and explain to the people, explain to the court why she has an issue with this person being an executor why she has an issue with the estate being open, or why she doesn't have an issue. It's not, it's just so much pain, pain points that's not worth dealing with in a legal process, you know? So. Okay, right. okay. So, Yuli, if I had a, if I had a workflow for you, like, let's just say, mm -hmm. if, if you had, if I, I, 
I'm making the assumption that you have good control and influence. Uh, you have good rapport and chemistry with most of the people in your family. Uh, yeah, your, yeah. Okay, so your first priority is you're going to have to be that, that guy that fishes. At, or at least tries to get that transparent information about the will to every relevant party that needs to know. I say relevant party because, again, I, it's your grandfather, it's not your father. So there may be some complexities there in terms of what he left behind, right? If, yeah. Especially if, if there's grandkids involved in terms of what he left behind. Yeah. But you got to know what's on that will. But you you got to, like, your, your aunt should not be withholding that information. And again, it doesn't matter if your mom doesn't want it. Your, your aunt has to demonstrate in good faith that she's trying, she's going to be fair with everybody. She has to prove in court. Everything I have done up to this point, I have tried to get it documented. Emails, texts, communications, nothing verbal that says, hey, I get, I try to do my due diligence and all this. I try to notify the family members when appropriate. Either I inform them or the lawyer informed them. I got to be able to prove, I got to have a solid character. I have to have a solid track record because if there's something that happens that, that I fuck up in the legal process or something, you don't know who might use it against you or against mm -hmm. your aunt. Your aunt is actually not doing herself favors if she's not playing ball with any individual person. She actually could have the most to lose, especially if she's not getting any money out of it herself as an executor. Mm -hmm. yeah, executors can, can claim compensation towards the estate, assuming there's any money left to even get money out of. Right, okay. it's just it's just it's just like the last thing that that should be in an executor's mind is trying to piss off anyone. It's trying to piss off everyone. Don't want to be in that situation because it's going to cause more problems. It, the amount of stress it causes alone is just it's not worth the hassle. Okay. My biggest fear in my process was one of my brothers trying to hire a lawyer to make claims against the estate or to try to intentionally delay the process or make me spend more money trying to get the uh, legal hurdles taken care of uh, with them doing that. I was forced to put on a smile, take all any abuse possible to try to get, to try to get people to play along uh, amongst my siblings and amongst my immediate family, amongst my mom. Uh, and that was really tough because it's like, Man, after this, after this shit blows over, I said it earlier. I don't want to. I don't want to be in contact with one of my brothers ever again uh, after this process because he showed me. He showed me his true colors. Because mm -hmm. for him, it wasn't about the money. It was about sending. It was about sending a message and taking advantage of a, of a situation that I had no control over. Because I never asked to be an executor. It's the. It's, I. I would not wish an executor upon anyone. You know. So. That's something to keep in mind too. So your your again, your aunt has more to lose trying to piss her family off than if she's the executor. She has more to lose not trying to keep everyone together. It's it, and also it's fucked up because it's like it shouldn't be your job to get everyone together. It should be her job. Again, lack of lack of good faith, you know. But that's something that can easily be be um, that's something that could easily be claimed in the in the court in the court of law, you know. Okay. But yeah, that's 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 it for me on my side. I don't know if we're gonna continue with. The well, it's all good. I I appreciate you uh chiming in and everything like that. Um, definitely appreciate 
everybody uh, giving their area of uh, expertise. Um, so what I am going to do is close this meeting room down. We're going to open up another one on a different subject. Uh, thank you to uh, Kevin, Lord Hollow, uh, for for lending his his voice. Uh, thank you to Joe for bringing up this particular topic. Uh, Shine Travis for jumping in. Um, to let you all know, our next podcast will take place in another week or so. Um, and that discussion is going to be hosted by uh, Travis and myself and entitled uh, The Son-Husband uh, Dynamic. This will be part two of that discussion. Uh, part one uh, kind of went left field in terms of uh, <laughs> being able to promote it and whatnot. The sound quality was not uh, very high, uh, but we plan to get more women involved in the discussion as well. We're going to take some uh, snippets uh, of talking points, information that we have from the previous and bring them back. Um, and we're going to build off of those. Um, and we're going to we're going to uh, utilize uh, our Zoom platform as well as the uh, Clubhouse platform. Uh, to have this discussion because we're going to be playing some audio and things of that nature um, that'll be uh, used for uh, the, the building blocks of the discussion. Uh, so once again, thank you all for uh, uh, tuning in uh, to the Let's Talk series podcast. Uh, we look forward to uh, hosting more uh, content for you all. Don't forget to check us out on all uh, social media platforms. Uh, go to our website at tknhouse.com ent.com uh, for uh, music and uh, podcast material. You can also check us out on Anchor and Spotify.